Hey listeners, welcome to another episode of Maintenance Disrupted. This week, we're featuring a series interviewing the speakers of the upcoming Lubrication and Reliability Virtual Summit taking place on September 14th and 15th. And this week, we are very excited to announce we are going to give away 10 free passes to this event. How do you enter? How do you win? Stay tuned at the end of the episode to find out. Before we get into our podcast, a quick note from our sponsor. By now, you've probably heard me talk about NanoPrecise. They're six-in-one censored combined with their ML and AI technology to detect the early onset of fault in mechanical equipment. Each week, we bring you a series called Machine Doctor to the Rescue. This week, Machine Doctor to the Rescue takes place in a steel plant. In the oxygen plant compressor, which is a very critical machine, the machine doctor alerted the end user with an early journal bearing fault. Now, what's important about this is a journal bearing fault. This isn't a rolling element bearing. This is a journal bearing fault where traditionally we look at proximity probes to be able to detect as best we can the early onset of failure with journal bearings. I invite you to learn more about journal bearing fault detection using the NanoPrecise machine doctor at nanoprecise.io. And now back to our show. In this first series podcast, we welcome Ryan Chan. Ryan is the CEO and founder of Upkeep. You've likely heard of them. And I get the chance to interview Ryan about his keynote presentation. What does the next generation of maintenance look like? And what's very interesting is both Ryan and I come from a technology-heavy background, and we got into a disagreement, not a disagreement, but a, a difference of opinion around technology and linear adoption. And all of this feeds in to what the next generation of maintenance looks like. It is always a pleasure to spend time with Ryan, and I hope you enjoy this short but interesting interview with Ryan. Ryan, welcome to the Maintenance Disrupted Podcast. Thank you for coming on. Thanks for having me, Blair. Appreciate it. Ryan, I guess you probably don't need any introduction because you're all over the place here. But this is Ryan Chan, the CEO and founder of Upkeep, uh, who is also a sponsor of the upcoming Lubrication Reliability Virtual Summit. So why don't you, for your audience, just give a quick overview of yourself, Ryan, and, and your company. Sure. Uh, again, thanks, Blair, for having me on the podcast. Really appreciate it. A little bit about myself. I went to Cal Berkeley, chemical engineer. First job out of college was as a process engineer at a manufacturing plant, spun out of DuPont Chemicals, um, basically every single day of my life working in this manufacturing plant was how do we speed up our process? How do we ensure um, predictability of our manufacturing line? Um, and we actually turned to technology to better help us understand data and why our equipment was failing and why it was actually running the way it was. Um, I was responsible for implementing some of the technology behind our business. Um, and that's when I kind of realized, man, the technology in this space, uh, there's a lot to be desired, I would say, uh, to put it nicely. Yep. So I wound up teaching myself how to code on the nights and weekends saying, hey, I want to build better software, better technology for field technicians out, in the, out on the shop floor of a manufacturing plant. 
um, wound up getting a job as an iOS developer. So left my job as a chemie, getting a job as an iOS developer on the nights and weekends basically was building this thing called Upkeep. Um, did that for about two years. And then one day my friend said, hey, Ryan, you should quit your job and work on Upkeep full time. That was about five years ago now. And um, ever since then, uh, you know, our company has grown to about 150 people, um, 3,000 plus customers all across the globe. And our sole mission is build better technology, build better software um, for technicians out on the shop floor because they deserve better. I like that. They deserve better. And, and they do, right? And I remember, Ryan, the first time I met you, and I can't remember how many years back ago this was, um, but myself coming from the startup world is you had to get very, very good at giving your value statement in one breath, yeah. right? And I remember coming up to you and I said, what is upkeep? And you described it as just that, as a, you know, I, I think you, it was something around technician first or technician mobile first platform. And right there, you had me hooked. I'm like, finally, because when you look at software, it's usually driven from the top down. I'm not saying that can't be done, right? But you're enabling those people on the shop floor to become more efficient, more optimized, and make their life better. Exactly. Our entire value proposition and mission statement all goes back to the end user. Um, and it's really the technician. You think about the technician, why we... Why we lead with our mobile first approach, it's because the technicians out on the shop floor, they are never sitting in front of a desk or a computer. And you know that's traditionally how the software has been built and how it's traditionally been sold is top down, go to the you know, VPs and above. Um, you sell all these pretty dashboards, but oftentimes you forget about like the 99% of users and where they are. It's not in front that's of right. And it's interesting. And if they're in front of a computer, the reality is, and I spent my my early career, about half of it in maintenance. And we always got what we called the hand-me-downs. Um, like, you know, I'll make a reference, might date myself, but, you know, 386 computers, right? They were executive computers that were handed down, right? Because uh, you didn't have the state-of-the-art technologies. And it took you, you know, the time you boot up a computer to go get your coffee, come back, right? You might be able to enter some information in the CMS system. Uh, so... So that's great. And you made a point here. We'll get into your topic. Your topic is about the, you know, the future of maintenance, you know, where's it going to go? What value is it going to provide to us? Um, and it, you know, it's going to be a keynote at the LRVS. I'm curious to get your thoughts. And this is something I've said for a while because I, I've came from hands-on and, and I've also learned your background in chemi. If you want a universal degree, chemi is, is it like, uh, you know, the, the, I have yet to see a chemi do chemistry. They're always in adjacent in automation. They just, it's like, it must be just like a, a adjustable wrench in the maintenance community where you can just fit into any silo. Yeah. A little bit about my background there, Blair, you're totally right. Chemi is the degree for people who have no clue what they want to do. <laughs> for Apparently me, if, you, if you want to do a iOS prog programming, you start with Chemi and then you do it on nights and weekends. Obviously. Right? That's right. <laughs> uh, so anyway, so what I was saying is, is, you know, I, I started my career and, and not that um, I'm an electrical side and I actually went back and did electrical apprentice so I could really hone in my hands on. So I had the theoretical knowledge of electrical engineering, but I wanted the practical hands on. Right. And I, th I thought that was missing from engineering was the actual hands on. I wanted to bend conduit. I wanted to pull wire, which, you know, I, I think it was a good move. And, um, you know, one thing I found while doing that is I've said this is 
Technology does not have to be a linear linear adoption, right? And what I found is when people started adopting technology, and I'll go in my side of the space around condition monitoring and IoT is, well, I haven't done route-based yet. I haven't gone around with a handheld analyzer, so I'm not going to move to permanent mounted online condition monitoring because I they feel they need to do that first, right? And, you know, I've been preaching and I've had some people disagree and I understand why, because sometimes the foundational knowledge can be there before you move mm-hmm. too far, but I'm a full believer that technology does not have to be a linear adoption. Do you agree with that statement? As in you can leapfrog. Different. You can leapfrog. And yeah. the analogy yeah. I give, and, and uh, um, just from previous jobs, I spent a lot of time in India. And if you look at how, um, you know, India came with the internet, like they didn't run phone lines everywhere. Yeah. Once cellular networks were built, then everyone got connected exploded. and off you go. And, yeah. it, it, you know, it's like my kids are are young. They're all below 10. And, you know, they I didn't get them dial up Internet or AOL first before they could get high speed Internet. Right. To hear that a phone call comes in and drops your connection. Right. They still take full advantage of the Internet without having the pains and learning experience of of dial up Internet, if you will. Right. So that's my analogy to that. So do you agree? My, my gut says, where is the, the biggest thing that will determine whether or not success or fail is like how, how you interpret and understand the data. When you leapfrog, I think you're right. It does leave, a, leave this open, let's call it flank of, I collect all this data. We're using advanced technologies, which oftentimes abstracts, you know, the, the um, you know, I don't know, data collection, or it could be like parts of the data analysis and just bubble up like what the machine believes is the most important data for yeah. you. And if you forget, if you leapfrog the, the steps, what you get is like what others believe is most important. And you, you can oftentimes lose um, essentially like how the data is captured and what goes into making these machine uh, learning algorithms uh, effective. So like, I, I would say yes and no. I, I don't know if I could give like a super clear direct yes or no for, for this question right yeah it's, it's not binary because yeah. there's different scenarios and it goes back into maintenance reliability best practices it's not you know you need two parts planning and scheduling one part preventative maintenance like it's not a recipe it's just a, a general statement that you can technology can be an accelerator for optimization it, it can and i think I mean, it's an interesting conversation. Now that I like give this a little bit more thought, I actually lean more towards, you know, no, actually. Yeah. No <laughs> so this is good. Fun. And 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 for the yeah. listeners, I gave Ryan no prep. I was going to throw this out. <laughs> Zero zilch. I had no idea you were going to take this. Here, here's the reason for that. Like, you, I, I think people really need to understand like what goes, what the inputs are, um, before you start abstracting layers out. So when we, even when you mention like, you know, uh, planning scheduling, like you need to be able to like do it manually before you can automate all of this away and give it to a computer. And the reason for that is because the computer, yes, will surface like highlight, surface and highlight predictions on what they think is best. But at the end of the day, you're going to have all these nuances come up on a daily basis that don't fit this machine learning algorithm, fit this machine learning model. Right. If you don't have the understanding on what to do in those scenarios, you're going to be left with uh, deer in the headlights. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, it's funny because if you go back, there was a saying, I think it has to be a decade old now, 
where because you were talking about big data and I think it's actually flipped now to AI and machine learning and the quote was something around big data is like teenage sex everyone talks about it no one really knows how to do it everyone thinks everyone else is doing it so everyone claims they're doing it right and I think that's a great analogy right and I think big data has now moved down that hype cycle and moved over to AI but you do and Andrew Nang is challenging that with saying we got to get away from the concept of big data to feed to feed AI which I agree with but it, it is and uh, there is some, I guess we could go down a wormhole um, and agree to disagree here. Um, but it is because it comes into context of what the analogy is, is someone coming in with experience and, and things like that. Right. Um, but anyway, so you're going to talk about, you know, the future of manufacturing, what, what, you know, the next five years is going to look for us. Uh, and I say us in general, those in, in, in maintenance and reliability. So what are some high points you're going to talk about in this keynote speech? All right, so it's the future of maintenance, what it, what it can and may look like over the next five years. There's a few key points. Um, one is that, you know, it's funny, we're actually just talking about technology. Um, one is that the biggest changes to our industry are actually gonna be people and not technology. And that people are gonna supplement uh, all the changes with technology, but technology alone won't make all of the advancements that we'll see over the next five, 10 years. Um, the second one is around how maintenance and operations teams are going to go from what we believe is seen as a cost center right now to a revenue driver in the future. Oh, that's a big one. Yeah. yeah. Okay. okay. So the, 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 the first one I agree with, and that's something um, I've been lucky, and you probably know him from the maintenance community, Cliff Williams, uh, who wrote the People of Reliability Success Story, and he, he was in my backyard, and I got the, the privilege to, to learn from him, and he's always been an advocate of of you know, people where people play. So I agree with that one. So this second point, to tell me a little bit more about, about that. Um, so yeah, well, why don't we dive into the second point here? Um, we think that maintenance operations teams, again, are seen as cost centers. It's basically okay. how much, uh, what's, what's the percentage of, of re- or what's the percent, what's the cost of, um, maintaining your equipment relative to, the, to relative to the replacement asset value. That's kind of oftentimes the way that maintenance teams are budgeted. That's, yeah, 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 yeah. There's yeah. all all the top four consulting firms use that as percent RAV as a, as the metric, right? Right. But right, that, right. but that's maintenance, not operations. Because I would challenge that operations is not a cost center. Operations okay, sorry, you're right. Mean? Sorry, maintenance teams. So yeah. the third one here, actually, the third one, if um, the third big vision here is maintenance and operations teams, we want to join them. We, Hallelujah. We, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so where this comes from, actually, and why I said maintenance and operations is maybe I, I should start with the second one. It's we believe that maintenance and operations should be you know, more closely tied to the hit. Mm-hmm. Much, much more than it is today. And if we do that, Blair, we can change the way that maintenance is viewed as a department from a cost center to a revenue driver. Um, right now, it's uh, percent RAV for the maintenance team and it's production and revenue for the operations team, but it shouldn't be that way. Mm-hmm. That's right. Maybe I'll give you some more context into you know, how Yeah, I, that, that how makes a lot I, of sense, right? And th- there, yeah. there is a little bit of bridge of a gap in there if you look at OEE, overall right. uh, equipment efficiency, right. that, that, that has your availability, well, has your quality. So we ran a survey at the beginning of this year. We asked our we asked customers, industry experts. We surveyed ten thousand uh, maintenance teams, technicians, VPs, 
C-level execs, how do you measure the effectiveness of your maintenance team? And you know what the most common response was? Plan preventative maintenance. Yes. <laughs> Beautiful. Home run. <laughs> Home run. Home so, run, yeah. so, so you, you're right. Like, you know, there is a bridge with OEE, but is that how most companies are even looking at maintenance teams? No. No. Right. And so we've got like big issues to solve in this industry and obviously like opportunities at the same time. That's what uh, gets me so excited. Oh, that's great. Well, that's going to be interesting to to go into further. And where do you see um, the the people and technology starting to mix together? So your first point there, it's not just technology will accelerate, but it's really the people is going to be the, the biggest change, right? And is yeah. that because of like, you know, um, uh, experienced people leaving organizations, right, um, right. onset of, of so, so there's a few things here. One, um, high attrition rates in industrial jobs. Um, we've see, seen since COVID, uh, you know, at the beginning of COVID, we lost, I think, 1.2 million industrial jobs in the first two months of COVID. Um, obviously, the entire economy has rebounded but we've only replaced about half of those jobs. So you're seeing tech take off, you're seeing industrial jobs. You know, we're, we've only replaced about 600,000 of those 1.2 million jobs that were lost at the start of COVID. So we're seeing high attrition rates. Um, on top of that, we're seeing this skills gap between people exiting the workforce and people coming in. Okay, so what, what that means to me basically highlights the fact that we have to augment uh, people with, with technology. It's no longer a, a question of like, is this going to happen or, you know, when this will happen. It's more of a question of like, we have to make this work because, again, high attrition rates, um, labor shortage and skills gap of, of people retiring and new people coming in. Right. Um, then the next question that we go down the rabbit hole of is, okay, well, which jobs are going to get replaced or augmented? And what we say is jobs that are high risk and also jobs that are um, mundane and can be obviously automated away. And what we want, what we see as the future, uh, what we see as the future of technology is taking low skill, low wage jobs, putting them into higher wage, higher paying jobs with that capitalize on human creativity and technology is going to basically augment human creativity to get these people into higher skill, higher paying jobs. Like that's, that's. Ultimately I, I, yeah. No, I, I agree. And that's what people ask me from the AI point of view, where do you see AI going and is it going to replace me? And, and really I said, it depends what you're doing now. Cause I, I, I think, and we're very mm -hmm. much aligned here. There's, there's two aspects of it where I see AI starting to play a part is getting rid, rid of the, repetitive, mundane, low value added tasks. Yeah. Right. So things that are, you know, constantly coming in that you can essentially automate out. Now, whether you can automate with traditional statistics, automation or advanced technologies like, hey, that's fine. And the other one is an extension of our cognitive abilities. Right. So we get to the point where there's this, we're looking for that needle in the haystack and it's just too cumbersome for us to do or it's outside of our ability. Right. The average human can think and look at it like, three or four trends in time series data and, and maintenance and, and industrial is just all time series data, right? Yep. Uh, for the most part, right? So when we start to look at 
you know, solving problems that are multivariate, that's where we're going to have the the biggest advantage with with AI. So it fits in exactly with what you were saying there. One thing I didn't consider was the the higher risks aspects yeah. of it from a safety and compliance point of view. It's it's the the safety and the mundane jobs. Those are obviously going to get automated away. And our our vision of the future is like you take these workers, you elevate them because they're already in the workforce right now. And we're already experiencing this labor shortage. We take the existing workers in this field, layer on technology to augment, you know, ultimately what humans do best, which is, you know, creative creativity and solving difficult problems. um, Outside of these just very repetitive mundane jobs. That's right. Good. And I think what I heard, what the listeners heard is you're going to help maintenance get paid more. That's, that's, that's exactly what I heard. It's that's, that's fundamental to, <laughs> um, you know, I mean, you're kind of, you're kind of laughing, but it's actually <laughs> fundamental to one of, one of our, um, you know, core values here and what we are, you know, on a mission to, to get towards is, you know, get people in maintenance, uh, reliability, higher skill, higher paying, um, roles and jobs. Awesome. Good stuff. Well, this is going to be a, a very interesting con- or, or keynote presentation. I hope uh, I'll do my best not to chime in. Uh, I'm sure Sonia will mute me. All right, Blair, you cannot talk to <laughs> Ryan's uh, keynote presentation, but I look forward to And one of the, the key aspects I really like about the Lubrication and Reliability Virtual Summit taking place on September 14th and 15th is um, the collaboration, the community part of it, even the week leading up to it, we'll have a chance to sit down and talk. And, and um, you know, Sonia's mentioned to me, there's going to be some IOT discussions and things like that where we can banter back and forth. Right. And, you know, that discussion that I threw out there that I didn't prep you for about uh, linear adoption of technology. Right. We, we can discuss that. We can get other people involved in that from their experience. Right. Because who are you to say, who am I to say sitting in their nice offices? I'm not on the plant floor right now. Haven't been in 18 months, right? Can't go to anywhere, um, right? So it's going to be interesting to, to to get everyone's collaboration feedback. And hopefully, I think a good debate is absolutely needed. And also like what your statement is, what possibly the future is going to look like. Because if one thing we learned from COVID, there is no certainty in anything in anymore, right? It's just, it could change <laughs> any minute. Any minute, any day, yeah. Great. Well, thank you, Ryan. Thank you so much for giving us a little sneak peek. Uh, into your keynote presentation, and we look forward to hearing it at uh, the Lubrication and Reliability Virtual Summit. Thanks so much, but I really, really appreciate it. And to all of the listeners today, looking forward to uh, meeting you at the uh, LRVS. All right, listeners, you made it to the end of the podcast. I hope you enjoyed the conversation with Ryan. It's always a pleasure to have Ryan. So as I mentioned at the start of the podcast, we are giving away 10 free tickets to the Lubrication and Reliability Virtual Summit. What I'm asking you to do is in LinkedIn on the Maintenance Disrupted post about this podcast being released, I want you to post a comment whether you agree or disagree with the question I gave to Ryan, whether technology is a linear adoption. This is not a right or wrong answer. We will randomly select two winners that post a comment based on this feedback. Thank you, and I look forward to meeting you at the Lubrication and Reliability Virtual Summit.